there and welcome to Thrive Church Podcast here in Puyallup, Washington. We're so glad you found us and hope you enjoy listening to this sermon of the week. I am just really grateful this morning to have Matt and Maggie with us. Do you guys enjoy worship this morning? Was that awesome? I was, uh, you know, I, I met Matt before I ever met Maggie, and um, Matt was here with David Dodd in our conference two years ago. And um, can you turn this down? Because I feel like it's like really loud. Um, the uh, and so I met Matt then, but then I, I came up to to. Um, Citadel when you guys were still in Des Moines and I I heard you lead worship or actually you were hanging out with what's her name Catherine Mullins yeah and you were kind of a part of that and then you spoke so I was like I was telling Matt at that time like we got to get her down here to lead worship and to be a part and we want to get you both want to kind of connect with both gifts so I'm so uh, grateful to have them with us and Maggie worship was just phenomenal thank you so much for bringing that um Matt has actually been a big part of our prophetic journey in bringing us to where we're at today, Thrive. The whole the whole name change, I mean, Matt was a part of that, gave us a prophetic word that just was at the right time, actually several, but um, one in particular that just partnered with what the Holy Spirit was already working and speaking to me. And I've just, I've just loved the connection that we have and the, the relationship that we're developing. And I love to see what God has on his life. I think that they both carry something really powerful for our region. Um, and I know that they've got lots of different plans for their future. Maybe they'll share some of that today. I don't know. Um, but um, I just I just honor them and bless them for who they are and what they bring and what they carry. Um, I know that you're going to be blessed. So uh, would you just welcome them this morning as Matt comes? I, I, we didn't really give a chance to formally do that earlier on this morning, but just welcome them both as Matt comes to minister the word. Uh, Amen. You guys excited to be here this morning? I'm going to move this over here. It's going to be part of my illustration for the day. So I'm right-handed, so it's a little bit better to have things towards my left. So I'm going to grab one of these music stands here. Praise the Lord. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well... Um, I love the Bible, so we're going to um, teach from the Bible today. Uh, my, my guess would be that you also probably teach from the Bible, Pastor John, too. So I'm just going to jump right in, you know, fit right in with home, family here. So um, real quick, before I jump into the message, um, I just want to share just a couple thoughts and things I feel like God is saying specifically to um, this church here and what God is doing in this season. You know, I asked the Lord, I said, God, what do you, what do you want to say specifically? You know, I, I prepared a message and, and, and I'll share that. But I, I said, God, what do you want to say specifically to, to the people? And I just felt like the Lord was saying is that he was um, uh, restructuring everything with this one goal in mind is that you would reach your city. And so uh, not, when you hear, you know, the name change and you see the things that are happening and, you know, just all the stuff that you hear about Thrive Church, know that it's not just a cool idea. It's not just a, 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 a like 
a rebranding. It's not like just even a relaunch or any of those things. What it is, is it's a repositioning by God for the purpose that we're going to, that this church is going to be a church. It's going to be about reaching the community. It's going to be about reaching the city. And so I just want to encourage your, your, your framework of thinking that when you come here every single week on Sunday and you're engaged and you're serving other people, that you would know that God has something powerful for this church. Amen. That's a couple of you. Few, few the rest of you will give a few more amens throughout the rest of the message, I'm sure, because it will at least make me feel a little more at home. If you, you, you do, amen? amen. Hey, that's a couple more people. Eventually, by the end of the service, we'll get all of you on board. So, <laughs> amen. Well, uh, I'm going to be in Deuteronomy chapter one and then Joshua chapter one today. Those will be our passages of scripture that we'll read from, and then uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll just get right into the message. So Deuteronomy chapter 1, if you're uh, unfamiliar with the Bible, that's in the Old Testament. Um, it's uh, one of the first five books of the Bible, which is referenced as as the Torah. Um, and, and what's amazing about these first five books of the, the Bible is um, that specifically this book, Deuteronomy, is referenced as the book of remembrance. It's a reminding of God's people of what God had done all the way from the beginning coming through Egypt and what God's promise was for them. And I really believe that the book of Deuteronomy is powerful with this one thought in mind, is it establishes for us this thought that God had a plan and design from, from the beginning of the earth and that God's plan is for you to fulfill the promise of God on your life. And so I love how God lays out the books of the Bible. And uh, I'm going to read from Deuteronomy chapter 1 starting in verse 6, and this is how it reads. It says, The Lord God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance. Verse 8, See that I've set the lamb before you. Go in and possess the lamb which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 6, it says, Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you should divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all, uh, do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that your word would speak to our hearts today, that you would challenge us, that you would call us to a deeper pursuit of you, and that, God, more than anything, that, God, we would come into an encounter with you that would forever mark our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me sort of slide up the story and what's happening this time. So Moses had, had come and he had, had been the deliverer of God's people. We, they were in Egypt for 430 years. And after 430 years, they came out 
And they came out with these signs and wonders and miracles. If you remember the story about the 10 plagues and, and God, uh, Jesus, or God coming through Moses and saying, let my people go. And so they come out, the Red Sea is parted. They come out on dry land. And all of a sudden, God begins to provide all these amazing things for them in the middle of the wilderness. The Bible says all these 40 years as they're wandering, their shoes didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear out. Literally, there's a pillar of fire at nighttime so they can see and cloud by day which was representing God's presence that he was with them no matter where they would be that they, he, God fed them with manna, fed them with this revelation, this, this food that came down from heaven, quail would show up and, and water would come from a rock, I mean this at any period of time was like a supernatural kind of period of time. I mean, God was doing crazy miracles. I mean, what would it look like if in your life, instead of you having to go to your faucet, turn on your water faucet, and water just coming out, like you can literally just go outside, you're outside, and you just speak to a rock and water just comes out. I mean, you would never run out of provision. You wouldn't have to go to Fred Meyer. You wouldn't have to run a Safeway. Like, you can literally just expect every day you would get up and just bread from heaven would come and be provided for you. I mean, there was no period in history where you saw greater manifestations of supernatural signs and wonders. I know we see later on in Acts chapter 2 in the Bible, we see all these things. But in this physical way, this physical, tangible form of God being present, there is no greater manifestation than what you see in this period of time. And yet, God's people in the midst of all these incredible, supernatural, powerful, crazy signs and wonders, yet they still found themselves wandering for 40 years. And they come to this mountain, the mountain of Horeb. God had been speaking to Moses. He gave him his law, which is really the testimony of who God is and the testimony how we should live rightly before God. And uh, the people said, okay, we'll obey all the things you've instructed us. And yet Moses comes down off the mountain after that period of time. And here he finds the people of God that have come out of Egypt and delivered from, from all this bondage. And all of a sudden, they're there worshiping this golden calf. They're worshiping this idol. And so Moses comes and he's upset and is angry he throws down the Ten Commandments and then he has to go and start the process again and he goes up and gets the Ten Commandments and God writes these instructions for him. And we come to this place here in Deuteronomy chapter 1 where Moses is recounting the history of what's happened. And he begins to communicate this thought that they've been at this mountain for 38 years. Now you have to understand this. That this journey from Egypt into God's promise for their life should take 11 days. Yet, they admit this moment been at this mountain for 38 years. That's a pretty big difference. That's not like, well, you should have taken 11 days, we took 30 days. Right? Anybody ever been on family vacation trips, right? And uh, you feel like the trip should take, according to MapQuest or some other Google Maps or something, that says it should take you two hours and 30 minutes to get there. And so you plan your trip with this thought in mind, we're getting there in two hours and 30 minutes. Okay, those that have kids in the room, you know that is not going to happen. 
you're going to have at least three bathroom stops. Uh, Mom, I'm hungry. Dad, I'm, you know, there's going to be all these stops along the way. And yet, you know, okay, if it's not going to take two and a half hours, it will take maybe three hours or three and a half hours. And so you plan according to this. But could you imagine planning your trip thinking it's going to take 11 days? And year one goes by. Year two goes by and you're still wandering? I mean, come on, help me out real quick. If I was the leader of this group, I would have been like, God, just kill me right now. Just take me right now. Okay, it's God, it's amazing that you're feeding us with manna. It's amazing that you supply water from a rock that, that, that is always there with us. It's amazing that I can see your presence. It's amazing all these things. But God, these people, they're getting on my last my very, the super very last of the last nerve, God. And I don't know how much longer I can do this. And this is what's happening. And God comes to him and speaks on this mountain. You've been at this mountain long enough. Break camp and advance. What he's saying is this, is you've been doing this thing of life the same way long enough. It's time to flip the script. It's time to change this. It's time to do something different because this isn't working. And what I believe God is saying to this church is in all the things you've been pursuing and giving your heart fully to God and wanting to honor God and do God's will, God says it's time to break camp and advance. We come to this passage in Joshua chapter 1 and he begins to give a description of how to advance. He begins to say in uh, verse 8, he says to, to meditate upon God's word day and night. And if you do this, you'll be prosperous and successful and I'll be with you wherever you go. And we love the part, the idea that God will be with us wherever we go. I mean, anybody like that? Like, it doesn't matter, like difficult times, great times. I know God's going to be there. But yet he gives Joshua and the people an instruction that can guarantee their prosperity, that can guarantee them moving forward. The word prosperity, many times in different churches, it's sort of a challenging word, negative word. When we think about the word prosperity, like, yeah, we're a prosperity church. You're like, oh, that church, they're about money. Reason why we think that is because we think prosperity is restricted and limited to the idea of finances. But if you look at what scripture says, this word prosperity here in Joshua chapter one is this word that's translated to advance. To be in the state of moving forward. It means to have a promotion or elevation from one rank or position to another rank or position. It means to progress to a higher stage of development. It literally means to grow. What he's saying is this, if you meditate upon the word day and night, if you keep my commandments, you will advance, always moving forward. I will promote you continually and you'll never move backwards. You will always keep growing. This is what I believe God is saying for this year. This is a year for you and I to advance, to move forward. Now, let me remind
remind you this situation. So they come, God's people have been bondage for 430 years. God delivers them by a mighty hand. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Fire from heaven, cloud by day. They're walking this journey out. And they get to this place. And now Moses is sending 12 men into the promised land to scout out the land say, okay, if this is the city we're going into, let's scout it out. Let's check it out. I want to make sure this is really a good land. This is God's promised land for us. Let's figure out the best way to go in. And so Moses sends in 12 spies. The report comes back, 10 come, and they say, Moses, we saw huge fortified walls surrounding these cities. And there's giants in the land. There's no way we can go in and take that land. Now there's two men out of those 12 men that saw the exact same thing. They saw the huge walls. They saw the giants that made them feel small and insignificant and insufficient. Yet this is their response to that. They said, but we are well able for the Lord is with us. And it begs to ask this question, why did the 10 come back and all they could see were the giants and the huge fortified walls? And yet two people, though they saw the exact same thing, they had a different testimony. And this is the reason why. It's because when you're no longer stuck in Egypt, in your mind, your will, and your emotions, you can go into God's promise because you know it's for you, even though that is still trying to speak to you. This is what advancement looks like. I'll give you a little bit of illustration here. So we got the, the, the 10 guys. They come out and they're going into the promised land. And as they go in and they see all the walls and they see the giants, and though they may want to go into the promised land, they can't move into the promised land. Why? Because their soul, their thought life, their feelings, and their will, the power to make a different decision is still tied to their past, still tied to what they experienced in Egypt, still tied to where they failed, still tied to the places of emotional insecurity, still tied to what happened to them when they were 12 years old, still tied to the things they've gone through in life. And this is what I want to say today as we get into this message is that God's plan and purpose for every one of you in this room is for you to advance, for you to move forward, for you to prosper, for you to be strong, for you to be mighty, for you to be a conqueror. Yet the only way to do it is we have to advance in our soul. You can be spiritual, pray in tongues. Jesus, I love you. You can be a person that has encounters and deep revelation of Jesus. You can be a person that reads your Bible every single day and prays every day and does the Daniel fast. When people do Daniel fast, I don't know if you guys are... Okay. okay. Some of you may be doing it. You know, and you can do all those things and that's spiritual. But yet what you do with your thought life what you do with your emotions and what you choose to do in response to those things will keep you tied to where your soul still exists. So you could come out of Egypt, but have your soul still in Egypt. 
That means this, you can get a new job, you can make more money, you can have a nicer house, you can have a better car, a better looking wife, you know, whatever your like description of being advancing looks like, and yet still have a soul that's back there, broken, hurt, messed up, connected to your past, and you won't move forward. Many people refer to this idea as having a soul tie. Meaning, you have a connection to something that you no longer should have a connection to. So I, I, I grew up in the church, and yet I made a lot of poor decisions growing up as a young man, as a teenager. And so I had a lot of relationships that should have not been in my life at that time. And so then I come and I meet my wife and I get married, but yet my soul thoughts from past my emotions and and all the time and investment and energy and connection between other people is still trying to speak to me so i want to advance in intimacy and i want to advance in in connection i want to advance in my my relationship with my wife but yet these things try to pull me back to that and we're wondering why are we not advancing in life thought if I just got that job I was dreaming for. I thought if I got that money that I was just praying and fasting about. And I thought if I got those things and all those material things make you feel like you're advancing physically, but emotionally you're still back there. I recognized this last year, the last sort of four or five months of 2017, I had some of the most challenging it was the most challenging season I've probably had in a, a lot of years. And I was asking myself, why do I feel so frustrated, irritated, want to cry about everything? And I'm not really a crier. And why am I mad at everybody, but yet they didn't do anything? And Okay, anybody ever like have that, maybe even for just a day or something? And you know why? because it's not about them it's not about that it's about this and I was like literally at the place I'm like I just want to not do anything anymore at all I don't care anymore and in that place I was like looking at that person and that individual and that circumstance and this changes and that changes. And I was recognizing I wanted everything external to change. But it wasn't out there. It was in here. I want to give you some tools on how to advance 3 John chapter 2. 3 John 2, not chapter 2, because they only have one chapter, but 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you would prosper in all things. So again, taking that word prosper, I pray that you would advance, grow, always move forward in all things. And be in health just as your soul which is your mind, willing emotions, would advance. Your thoughts, feelings, and intentions would advance. How many know that prosperity is not a destination we reach, but it's a journey we take? So that means this, you can never stop growing. 
You always have to advance. The moment you make a decision not to move forward is the moment you actually move backwards. Because there's, there, there, you're, if you look at life as this, you're climbing this mountain. The Bible gives a lot of descriptions about that. Ascending the hill of the Lord, climbing this mountain. The moment you stop moving forward is the moment you begin to start going backward. The moment you're like, I, you know, just everyone deserves a break every now and then, Pastor John, and, you know, life is busy sometimes, and, you know, we got a family, and, you know, sports, and kids, and money, and, you know, stuff. We, we, all, we all get it. We all know. But do you know that sometimes making those decisions, though it may be the right decision, it doesn't help you grow by choosing to back up emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And so we sometimes take a break on God. I, I recognize that we have, we have a school, and I, I told all of our interns, all of our students, every year we come to the December time frame, right? We give them two weeks off. And I said, listen, you come every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for the whole day. And you're here. You're going to have two weeks where you don't have anything to do necessarily for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. If you don't make a decision right now before you have that open space of what you're going to do, you will backslide. Now, let me describe backsliding because backsliding isn't like, okay, now, you know, I'm, I, I love my wife and now all of a sudden I don't love my wife and I go and cheat on her. But backsliding is moving back to a different emotional, mental, and spiritual state than you actually took ground in previously. And I think what God is saying to us is this is a season we have to advance. We can't stay at the mountain. I mean, the mountain's cool, fire's on the mountain, Jesus speaks at the mountain, you know, all these amazing things. But yet there's a valley you have to go down into because there's a city and a community that needs you to bring life and hope to them. Yeah. It's great to be on the mountaintop. Oh God, if I could just stay here and be like Peter, James, and John, and I would even build like a little tabernacle for you on that mountain with Elijah. And this would be glorious. I mean, we recognize the foolish air of Peter in that statement like you know while he's on the mountain seeing this glorious appearing of Jesus and Elijah and Moses I mean we would all like to stay in that ecstatic moment but let's be honest that's not real life what's real life is you have a job bills to pay families to feed and from that Coming off the mountain, you know what's the most important? Is to going back into that sphere of influence, the place that you live and work and breathe and do life and have an advancing in your soul. The reason why we go to the mountain is have an encounter with God. And that encounter with God should transform the way I think, the way I feel, and the way I choose to do life. And it should cause me to come back into the valley and bring that revelation of God everywhere I go. I'm going to talk on how to advance and the way that we do it. I'm going to spell, use the, the word advance to, to talk out these thoughts. A, we need to have an attacking mindset this year. Can't be passive and approach the promises of God. Oh God, if you want me to have it, it'll just come whenever it comes. Like, there's no scripture in the Bible 
that ever gives the revelation that God would just give to you things just because you're good or even because you're spiritual because you prayed enough or you fasted enough but yet there is a lot of scriptures that talk about seizing God's promises about possessing it's interesting that this promised land that's a reference so many times to God's people he says I give you this promised land I'm going to give you land flowing with milk and honey go in and possess you're like wait do I have to possess it or are you giving it to me? Because those, those seem like two different things. Like if you're just giving it to me, I'm, I'm ready to receive. And he said, yeah, I'm giving it to you. It's yours if you want it. If you choose to go in and fight the fight of faith for it. If you choose to give yourself entirely to it, this is what happens as many times little distractions or little the Bible calls them little foxes they sort of come up and the Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine you know how little foxes spoil the vine is because we're inattentive to the small details what the devil is doing in our life ah, it's just a little cold everyone gets it we're sort of in flu season right I mean like even this morning like at our church you know getting like all these messages sorry I can't make it today I got you know like a cough and, and I'm like I, I get it I understand but you know what we have to not do is not just tolerate. I'm glad I got an amen back there. And the reason why is because the devil is testing you. Let me say it this way. You may not be aware, or maybe you are, there is consistent reoccurring times that other nations, specifically Russia, is trying to just slightly cross our airspace. And they're testing to see what we as a nation will do. And they're testing to see how far can they come in and what is the response rate and what is the reaction to our military and to our government. Why are they doing that? Because they really want to know where are your boundaries? What can I do and get away with? The enemy does the same thing. I'll oh, just allow, you know, a little cold here. <clears throat> well, you know, we just, we just get it and, you know, it's okay. Or are you attacking? No, this isn't tolerated. This is not for my family. The Bible gives precedence and understanding that we can live this kind of life that's separated from the elements of this world. And so I'm choosing not to resist it. I mean, my wife, you know, last night she, she was working out and she, you know, sent me a text. I was inside my room and she's like can you pray for me and I you know I got my, my knee sort of tweaked or something and so at first I'm sitting there so I sent her a text back and I said yeah okay I'll pray and you know I just sort of pray this like little cute prayer right we've all done it don't like judge me because so I'm like Jesus I just pray just touch her now and then all of a sudden I just felt this like, no, this can't be tolerated. And so, you know, I get up, I put my shoes on and, you know, I'm going to go out to like our room sort of separate from our main house until we connect the two. And uh, so I go out and, you know, the door's locked and I recognize, okay, so I come back in. And so I, I send a text. I said, okay, put your hand on your knee. I'm going to pray for you. And then I just send like a voice text. 
to her. And so she, she can hear it. She's got her hand on, on her knee and like all the pain leaves, right? You know, we pray twice, you know, to make sure it's completely gone. And I recognize what is the enemy doing? He's trying to test whether we'll be passive in small, seemingly insignificant things because then he'll push the boundaries to try to enforce even greater things. We must have an attacking mindset, not a passive one. We must be those, as David said it this way, I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I trod them like the dirt in the streets and I spread them all about. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's King David, who then Jesus comes in the lineage of it. And we're supposed to be like Jesus. Like we need to take that same kind of posture and attitude. Like when an enemy is coming against me, now hear me, I'm not talking about people. <laughs> Just need to clarify that because I see social media today and you have a different opinion, man. You're wrong and, you know, and Democrat and Republican and, 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 and like, like, wait, we're missing it. It's a spirit. It has nothing to do with that stuff. It has everything to do with attacking the spirit. We have to have that attacking mindset. We have to beat them until it's fully, completely finished. We can't be people that are hiding and waiting to just hopefully one day get out of here if that's sort of your theology and rapture and you know, rapturalist or rapture. I, I don't know. We're, we're, we're just, we're going after Jesus. D, we need a dedicated soul. So we got to have an attacking mindset and we need a dedicated soul. First Thessalonians 5.23 says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be blameless at the coming of the Lord. A dedicated soul is this idea that we're not going to be tied to anything of this world. We're not going to be tied to our past. We're not going to be tied to hurts. We're not going to be tied to other people's opinions and perspectives. But my soul, my mind, willing emotions are going to be separated wholly to the Lord. We can't say, I love Jesus, but then you fill in the blank. Like whatever like that thing is, that you know, you feel challenged and convicted on. I love Jesus, but you know, I just got to watch my movies. And you know those movies that just sort of fill you with stuff that probably shouldn't fill your mind? Thank you. I'm going to take your, your silence as a sign of, yes, I'm taking it in, Lord. I'm choosing to receive this. We can't have a life that we just pick and choose what we want to say is acceptable for a life. What the Bible says, well, the Bible says this and the Bible says that. It's really interesting. I'm reading a book, and in this book it says that in, in, in Asian cultures, they, when they're reading scripture, they find a lot of the scriptures that talk about um, submission to authority. And those scriptures just stand out to them, jump out to them. Why? Because they have a culture that that is the way that their culture sees things. But if we start talking submission to authority and all those things, then what happens is all the other scriptures on the other side come out. You know, we like the freedom ones. Like, I'm just being led by the Spirit, brother. You don't understand. Like, you know, what God's just doing in me is different than what God's doing in you. And, and, and I, I get it, sort of. And what am I saying is when we have a dedicated soul, we don't pick and choose what sounds good to us. I was listening, I heard a song uh, this morning, and as I was listening to the song, I thought, man, it's so easy to take scripture and make scripture like speak to us what we want it to speak to us. 
And like scripture now becomes about me like being encouraged and benefited instead of actually me becoming like Jesus. That's what it looks like to have a dedicated soul that I don't just, I'm not just born again and Jesus comes in my heart and fills me and yeah, I love you. But literally now I'm being transformed into his image. I'm having a soul that's dedicated wholly to the Lord. I remember uh, some years back, had a car and you know sort of turned a little sharp and I hit the, the curb and uh, ah, not a big deal and but I started noticing over a couple weeks that you know as I'm driving like the car would just sort of you know slightly veer like to one side you know you can feel that like, in the steering wheel and I'm like ah not a big deal you know it's probably fine and then all of a sudden I started noticing like as I'm trying to maintain it like going straight like the steering wheel <laughs> Right? Anybody ever have that before? What, what that is, is that's a sign that my car was out of alignment. And what happens is we go through life and we have little bumps and bruises along the way and we don't deal with the hurt and the pain and the soul issues and the things that are in our thoughts and the things that we feel about. And we're like, you know, as men, we're just like, no, I'm good. We just push it, keep pushing it down. Out of sight, out of mind. I don't ever have to see you again. I don't want to look at you. I don't want to think about you. And we think like that is the solve to issues. But you know what happens is after a while, all of a sudden you're like, why is my life? I feel like it's out of control. And why do I feel emotionally out of control? And why do I feel like a wreck? And why am I mad at my wife? But she didn't even do anything. And all those things are because we have something that we haven't dedicated and separated our own soul to the Lord. We're like, I got this handled. Like, let's be honest, we don't got it handled. With all the grace we have in Jesus, we need to separate, separate ourselves to that grace so we can receive grace in time of need so we can be transformed into his image and likeness. Next thing we need to have is we need to have victorious speech. <laughs> Our speech must be aligned to what God has said and not what we see. Ten of them, they're only, they're all, all their speech was how difficult, how hard it was, and no, we can't do it, and did you see how big they were and how tall the walls were? And we do that so easily. It's like just sort of like second nature at times. Some of us is a little bit more easier based upon, you know, personality types, but every one of us are challenged with the thought of having victorious speech. You know, and I've heard many people say, well, I just got to keep it real, brother. I'm like... Well, what are you trying to be real or relevant to? Are you trying to be real with your issues and real with this world? Or are you trying to relate to heaven and what heaven says about us? And so what we need to do is instead of beginning to speak about our problems, our pain, our conditions, our situations, is we need to get what God says about every one of these things and we need to begin to choose only that. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us in our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now hear me. If Jesus, who is a great high priest, can sympathize with us in our weakness, was tempted in every way, but was without sin, how did he maintain a life without sin? 
He made sure that what was in his mouth was only what the Father was speaking. He was tempted in every way to be like, oh yeah, that's right, Peter. Man, I just had a rough night too. I didn't get any sleep. Man, my back sort of hurts. <laughs> I mean, if Jesus was trying to relate to humanity, that's how he would have talked. <laughs> but he wasn't trying to relate to humanity. He was trying to get humanity to relate yes. to divinity. Yes. And so he only spoke what he heard his father speaking. He only did what he saw his father doing. And so we must be those people that do the same thing. We must hold fast our confession. That word confession comes from two words. And these two words means same speech. It literally gives the idea of mimic, mimicking, right? You know, so kids are not in here, but you're all seeing kids if you have multiple children and they mimic each other. Yeah. Hello, hello. And you're like, and like at first it's anno it seems annoying, but you know that the highest form of flattery is actually mimicking someone? I know for kids it doesn't, I'm not mocking, but mimicking. <laughs> There's a difference. And so the highest form of saying, God, I praise you, I exalt you, I declare that you're greater than anything else, is actually simply repeating only what he said, not what we see and not what we feel. Let's be honest, we all have challenges. But you talking about your challenge doesn't make the challenge go away. It only makes it bigger and seem bigger than it really is. But when we can have victorious speech, speech that proclaims and declares what God has said, we will then see us overcome those mountains. I'm going to move forward. I know I've got a few more. Appetite for God's word. We need an appetite for God's word. If we're going to advance this year, we need to have an appetite for God's word. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says, Man does not live by bread alone, but the very words that proceed from the mouth of God. The Bible says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We need to have an insatiable appetite and desire for God's word this year. Elijah comes to a moment and he's wanting to give up on life. He's wanting to end it all. God, take me. And God comes and he feeds him and then he goes back to sleep. And God comes and he feeds him again. And this is what he says. He says, Eat again because this journey is going to be long. Can I just tell you this journey of fulfilling God's purpose, plan, it's a long journey. It's not like a quick journey. It's not a sprint. It's not like, hey, we, yeah, put, yeah, cross the finish line. I mean, it's a journey of doing life successfully and honoring God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind, loving Him with everything. And the only way we can do it is we got to force feed ourselves sometimes. The Word of God. Let's be honest. All of us, we don't want to read the Bible sometimes. We know it has answers. We know it has solutions. We know it has everything we need for, for life and godliness. But yet, sometimes we don't want to because we want to think about a problem, challenge. But when we get in God's Word, it begins to transform our life. See, what you feed yourself will immediately starve other things. If you feed yourself the word, it will starve the world's passions. If you feed yourself with eternal things, it will starve an appetite for temporal things. 
We, we all have them that we sort of go to that are temporal dissatisfactions. Maybe not all of them are sinful, but just maybe all of them are distractions. When we're, you know, oh man, life's challenging. You know, I think I'll just go buy something else today. Because I like, I mean, let's be honest. It is, feels good to be able to get a new pair of shoes. Okay, I, I guess only a couple people agree. Okay, it feels good to get a burger. I mean, it feels good, right? To, 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 and I think what happens is sometimes those are false substitutes. Yeah. that distract us from the most important thing and that's feeding ourselves with God's word if we're going to advance this year if our soul is going to prosper if we're going to grow we're going to mature if we're going to make sure that we're not going to stay stuck we must have a deeper appetite for God's word yeah. next thing is N there's no going back there's no conversation of oh I remember when we did oh remember when that happened Hey, remember back then when God did this? It's interesting that when they got into the promised land, the manna stopped coming. And I think sometimes we want God to do the same thing he's always done. And yet when you're maturing, sometimes he can't feed you the same way he's always fed you. He can't give you the same thing. Found it Interesting that when God's trying to grow your face, sometimes it seems like he's pulled back just a little bit. Like, wait, God, it seemed like last week I could just pray and bam, just seemed like everything happened and like millions of dollars showed up and, you know, like, you know, people just gave me a car and, you know, a house and, and yet like God's saying, okay, yeah, that was good for that season and I was, I was your faithful provider and I will continue to be your faithful provider but I want you to not trust in what I did back then I need you to have a new place of faith now this is how we choose to not look back is we have to change our relationship with the past now I know there's been many people that have heard the, the statement and you gotta forget your past and I, I get the idea and yeah you gotta forget a lot of bad crazy things and Paul talks about, you know, I forget what's in the past and I push towards what's in the head. But Paul's talking about all the beneficial things to him. It's actually not talking about, I just forgot, you know, the people are murdered. I forgot all the bad decisions. Like, no, he's talking about, I forgot or chose to not have in my mind or let it be an influence in my life, all the beneficial things all the things that were credited to my account. Why? Because I would put my trust and my confidence in what is my positive traits. I put my confidence in that I have money. Or I put my confidence in whatever that may be. And so what we have to do is we have to change our relationship with the past. David did it this way, is he took his past victories as opportunities to know that when he faced new enemies, that God would do the exact same thing, though it may come through different means. He comes and he stands in front of Saul and he's saying, I fought a lion and I fought a bear and this Goliath giant will not be any different than him. I think many times what we want to do is we want to live in the memory of the past because we've not gained any new victories. I'm preaching myself just as much as I'm preaching to you. 
So on the inside, you hear me saying amen. But on the outside, I'm looking for an amen. <laughs> Next thing, C is commitment to pursue his presence. He says to Joshua that you need to tell the people to follow the ark because you've never been this way before. For us to advance, we have to make sure that we're committed to pursuing God's presence. Because where you're going, you've never been before. And what God wants to do, you've never done before. Because you've heard the statement, right? If you, if you are just keep on doing the same thing, you're always doing expecting a different result. That's actually the definition of insanity. And what God wants to do in this season, he wants to do something new, but yet it is very old. What I mean by that is God's ways and who he is, his nature doesn't change. It's not like God's like coming up with like new inventions and thoughts of like how he's going to like do stuff today. He's actually done things throughout scripture and lays his presence, understanding of how he works. But God wants to do a new, new thing in you, meaning it's fresh to you. It's new to you. And the only way you experience it is you have to commit to pursuing God's presence. You have to commit to giving yourself completely and be hungry for him. This is what happens when we, when we don't commit to pursuing God's presence. We make idols of things. Because we're designed to be worshipers. We're designed to pursue God. But when we make a decision not be a pursuer of God, we have to elevate something that we will eventually worship. We have to make something large in our eyes because we have this gravitational pull, like the tractor beam in Star Wars, that we are attracted to worship. And yet, if you don't commit to pursuing God's presence, you will find yourself making something a very poor version of God, an idol. Yeah. Could it be that we've made our idealism an idol in our life? Could it be that we've made our American patriotism an idol in our life? Could it be that we've made you know, our, our identity and our status and our job and idol. Could it be that we've made, and there's so many things that we could just list that we make idols, yet when we commit to pursuing God's presence, this is what happens, is he knocks all those down because he will have no other God before him. God is calling you and I to pursue God's presence with a deeper hunger and a deeper passion than we've ever had it before. And the last thing, E, we need to make sure that we have our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, uh, on the, at the right hand of the throne of God. When we have our eyes on Jesus, we will always advance. Because Jesus is always looking to take new territory. Jesus is always looking to move forward. Jesus is always looking to bring change. But this is the challenge, is to have this power to advance by keeping your eyes on Jesus. You will go through some things just like Jesus went through things. It's interesting that Jesus comes to this moment in his life and he comes to the last season where he's, he's committed to fully obeying the Father and he comes to a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and he begins to pray this prayer. The Bible says that his soul was overwhelmed. And literally, his soul was being completely 
pushed down, overwhelmed, emotionally stressed out. The Bible says that his, he, he began to have blood pour from his brow as he's praying. People say that this is the sign that literally he was on the verge of insanity, having a mental breakdown. That he went to that place in his soul. Literally, this is what it means. Is that Jesus went to Egypt to a place of torment, punishment, and slavery. So you and I can now go into our promise. Jesus went into a place where he was bound, persecuted, condemned, whipped, beaten, put on a cross, died. Why? So you and I can come out of that grave with him and we can walk into promise and we can walk into purpose that we no longer be bound to the things of this world. See, it's not good enough for you and I just have our sin washed and be forgiven. We must be people that are transformed. And the only way that we do it is we have to make sure our eyes are on Jesus. Our eyes are fixed on him. This is what I believe, that when we keep our eyes on Jesus, Jesus will lead us to places we many times we don't want to go. But as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, as long as we keep our attention, our focus on Him, and not on the things around us, the Bible says in that Joshua passage, don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left, but move straight ahead, keeping your eyes fixed on Him. For the joy that was set before Him, He endured. This season to advance is, a, is, a, is a, both a promise but it's also a process. Meaning this, this is God's promise for you. This year, you're going to advance. But it's also a commitment from God. This year, it's a year you're going to have to walk through a process. And that process is what you do with your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your advancement will be determined based upon what you do in your soul based upon what you do with your thought life, based upon what you do with your emotions, based upon what you do to either choose the will of God or choose the will of your flesh, the will of man, the easy way out. Jesus comes to this and he prays this prayer just prior to going to the cross. And he says, Father, if there's any way you can take this cup from me, He's saying, I'm overwhelmed right now. If you can take this off of me, I don't want to feel this anymore. Please do it. Yet not my will, but your will be done. When you get to the place where you feel like your will to go all in for God is being challenged, that's when you come to a place where you cross the line and say, okay, I'm advancing. I'm not going back. I'm coming off this mountain and I'm going into that promise. I'm going to possess this land. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to make sure the cities change and transform. I'm going to make sure and I'm committed that this church would grow and I'm committed to doing the will of God. And if you do those things this year to advance, I guarantee you this. You have the most prosperous, glorious, amazing year. In the last two weeks, 
I've been preaching this message and a couple of the churches I had at our home church last week and then another church that I'm connected to in Spokane and I've just been making decisions in my own heart God I want my soul to move forward I don't want my soul to be stuck I don't want to be stuck to the past. I don't want to be stuck to hurt. I don't want to be stuck to pain. I don't want to be stuck to disappointment. I don't want to be stuck to disillusionment. I don't want to be stuck to, to stuff. All of us have things that try to get us stuck. And this is what has happened. As I started progressing and moving forward in my soul, as I started committing to the presence of God and started committing to things that started transforming me, you know what happened? Is not only was my soul transformed, but I begin to start seeing other signs of prosperity. Literally in the last couple of weeks, I just, I mean, literally out of the blue. I mean, I had a young girl yesterday just say, here, here's a thousand dollars. And I'm, the first question I'm asking, how does she have a thousand dollars to give? And you know why I say this? I say this for this one reason, is because when you commit to advancing in your soul, the promise is true of 3 John. I pray that you would prosper, advance, move forward, not go backwards, commit to growth in your soul, then you will prosper, advance in every area of your life. It starts here. What happens here and what happens in your mind eventually is what will flow through your life. There's no limitation to what God can or cannot do in your life. The only limitation is your receptivity to it. It would be this way, that God, literally if he, he had this fire hose coming from heaven, right? Just gallons of water coming from it, and we tried to hook a little garden hose up to it and thought that forceful, powerful stream of water was going to be able to get down into that little garden hose. Our soul is the thing that either opens wide to the things of the Spirit or closes off to the things of the Spirit. There's no limitation in what the Spirit can do. The only limitation is in what our soul allows the Spirit to do. This year, it's a year to advance. And the way to advance is we got to have our soul wide open to God. David said it this way, as the worship team comes, I'm going to have you respond in just a moment. This is what David says. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. What is he saying? He said, I know the way to God's presence is through what my soul does. You ever come into a worship service and you're just not feeling it? happen your, your thoughts are somewhere else or your emotions are you know and that begins to start closing off what is fully and completely available by the spirit of God to you and I I have a promised land for you a place flowing with milk and honey and yet a generation couldn't go in why because they did not locked up in in Egypt. It's interesting 
that God had to kill off the generation that was locked up in Egypt and raise up a generation that didn't know what it meant to be in slavery. What God's saying for this church is it's time to advance. It's time to move forward. It's time to change the world. It's time to transform your cities, your families, your homes, your community. And the way that you do that is by what happens in your heart, your emotions, what happens in your mind. By you opening them wide, surrendering and yielding to God, I guarantee you this, you will see the most amazing supernatural things God can flow through you, and you will see every single one of God's promises come to pass in your life. Amen. You received this word this morning. This is what I want us to do. I just sort of felt like how we were to end today is not necessarily, you know, giving prophetic words and doing that, but I just felt like there was just to be a personal response today. And just that response to saying, God, yeah, that's me. I, I want to advance this year. I'm committed to overcoming excuses. I'm committed to, to not going back. I'm committed to your word. I'm committed to pursuing your presence. I'm committed to growing and maturing and becoming more like Christ this year. And so I'm gonna have everyone stand on their feet. If you're saying, you know what, that, that's me. I, I, I'm committed to advancing this year. I'm committed to moving forward. And for everyone in this room, it's probably something different. If that's you, I want you to simply step out of your seat. I want you to find some place at this altar. And as the worship team sings, I want you just to abandon yourself to the Lord. Because there's something that happens when we can abandon ourselves in worship to God. Our soul becomes wide open to Him. And His presence moves in and He begins to touch those places that you didn't want Him to touch or, or you didn't think he, he could touch or those places that you didn't even know that were really holding you back. And God becomes real and powerful and supernatural in those places. So, Father, I just pray for your people all across this room. Father, for those in the places they're stuck, in the places that, God, they're still connected or tied to something or someone else, God, that's keeping them bound, that's keeping pulling them back. Lord, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to move in those areas today. Lord, I pray that you would speak the Word of God to those areas and that, God, you would interrupt patterns and you would interrupt belief systems, that, God, you would remove lies and deceptions off the hearts and minds, that, God, today you'd wash every single person in this room and that, God, people would become wide open to you, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the power of God, full of the Word of God, and that God, they would become a people that truly their soul will be able to magnify the Lord. Come on, I just want you in this moment, I want you to open yourself wide open to God. Just worship Him. If you would just open your mouth, open your heart to Him, and let the Holy Spirit just move in this room. Open my